0: Well, good morning. good morning. Good morning. Well, we started our service off with a fishing video for a fishing club where no one goes fishing. And we, right before the message today, we see a man with a canoe that stopped before he gets to the, I guess, the waterfall or rough waters and warning sign, don't pass here and he didn't stop the other guy from going. Anybody have an idea what we're talking about today? Man, I'd love to talk about fishing. I caught a fish this big. Actually, it was that big. But anyway. No, we're going to talk about fishing for men, evangelism. We've been doing a series called Balance, looking at five key components that comprise a healthy church. And our last one in the series is evangelism. We see all five components in the passage of Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. So let's look at this passage one more time this morning. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things Right before our text, Peter preached a tremendous message about Jesus Christ, and the Lord added that day 3,000 who believed, then were baptized, and were added to the church. Then we read this text that this is the life of the church where they had these key components where they worshiped, where they acknowledged the supreme worth of God. They had discipleship where they took those believers and they taught them the things that Jesus had taught them, how to live a Christian life. They fellowshiped together. They they built uh, their relationships. they, They helped one another in need, and there was a sense of intimacy among the membership of the church. And then they served one another and served their community And then we find because of their lifestyle and actions, God used them to reach people with the gospel, that their lives could be transformed. So today we're going to talk about evangelism. Several years ago, at a previous pastorate, I was meeting with a small group of members and we were looking at our building and talking about the renovations that we'll be doing and and i just saw behind me as i kind of turned my head a flash of a, someone that came in and then ran out and i'm like oh that was kind of weird so i went outside and i saw this man he worked for waste management and he was getting back into his truck and so i walked up to his his truck and I said can i help you he you could tell that he had a very distraught look on his face and he goes i was just looking for a place just to come in and pray. And I said, well, you're more than welcome to come in and pray. And I, you know, I'd love to pray with you. Can I help you with anything? He goes, no, I just, I goes, I've never been to church before in my life. And he goes, but I, I just have a lot going on and I just, I'm just, I just need something. I, I need to reach out. And I said, you know, I'd love to talk to you more. He goes, well, I have to get back to work and he goes, maybe I'll come this that Sunday and so all of a sudden he did he showed up on a Sunday morning talked some more and he kept showing up Sunday morning and then Sunday night and then Wednesday night he just kept coming and coming and we'd have conversations and I'd share with him a, the gospel and you could tell that he was he he was starting to be moved and all of a sudden one night I'm right in the middle of dinner he calls my cell phone he goes pastor can I meet with you right now he goes I can't wait any longer and I said for what He goes, I need to be saved right now. And so he I said, Well, come on. So I let my food go cold. It was worth it. it. It was fine. It was a good meal. It was. But I met him in the office, and there we had just talked, and with tears strolling down his eyes, he called upon Jesus to save him. That was an amazing moment. And, and over that time, he kept coming, and, and, and because of job situations and a move, he, he didn't stay uh, at our church long, but uh, any time that he came into town, and like we were, we were at a, the Denair Farm and Family Festival, he would come across wherever. He would see me, and he would run, pastor, and embrace me. We just had that That moment together of sharing Jesus, it changed his life, and he never forgot. Isn't it wonderful that we can cherish such memories, that God would put people in our life where we can share with them the glorious gospel that changes their life forever? Forever and knowing and encouraged that when they pass from this life to the next, that they will be in the presence of our Savior. We're talking about evangelism. And normally we use that term in the sense of, uh, we hear, oh, we're going to have an evangelism program or an evangelism event. And I want you to think about the thought of evangelism, but most importantly, let's just go ahead and ask the question, is what is evangelism? We find in the scriptures its definition, hey, I have to apologize to you. My, my editors, including myself, missed something. And it bothered me when I looked at it this morning that when it says it's apostrophe S, that apostrophe, that, that, that's not the apostrophe you think you see. It's not there. All you Star Wars people will understand that. But it's there, but it's not supposed to be. Let's talk about its definition, evangelism. It is a transliteration of the Greek word euangelizo, meaning to proclaim good news. That word might look a little familiar. The eu is a prefix that means well or good, and "angelizo," which is where we get our word angel from or messenger, right? It's a, it's a proclamation of good news. I mean, how many of us love to share good news? I tell you what, the home builders class, they just keep having babies. <laughs> and we haven't even studied the Song of Solomon yet. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're just, they're, they're, they're multiplying our church by, you know, internally. And that's good. That's a good thing. I love to hear, you know, you know pastors are going to announce, I'm pregnant. That's awesome. I love to hear that. That's good news, right? You hear birth, you know, hey, the birth of a child, uh, that, that's wonderful news. People share other things, you know, life events, you know, getting a promotion, you know, it's good news. Uh, you know, people love, you know, on Facebook to, you know, promote their, you know, I bought a new car, you know, they always share things, you know, they share exciting things, good things, and, and uh, but you know what the best thing is? The gospel the gospel we should be excited to share it because it is the best news ever i think that's in a song but let's look at its content paul said in first corinthians 15 the corinthians were being challenged whether the resurrection happened or not and Paul reminded them what was contained within the gospel and what was preached to them. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you've believed in vain. Now notice this. For I delivered you, to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Amen? In accordance with the Scriptures that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. If you're going to have a death of Jesus, you have to have the resurrection. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some some of them have fallen asleep. You see, the contents of the gospel is, yes, Jesus came into the world for a specific purpose. He was born miraculously manifesting God in the flesh who was the perfect man and fully God to die on a cross for people like us. Sinners, corrupted, unrighteous, us. He took upon Himself our sin. He died and He was buried. And this is where hope comes in. Death and grave could not hold Him. By great power he was resurrected and he lives today and by his resurrection we have a hope of a better tomorrow. We have a hope in heaven which, which is more glorious than I think we could ever fathom. That when we accept Jesus as our Savior we can stand in his presence for all eternity. It's a perfect place. Wouldn't you like a place that says there's no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering? That's heaven. Now, we have a long life to live ahead of us. Yesterday, Basil and June Shop and myself attended the funeral service of Sharon Williams' father, 99 years old, long, Long time lived, he was a, a faithful member of a Baptist church in Little Rock. And let me tell you, they knew how to celebrate his life. You know, the pastor said, he, he talked about it. he goes, man, I, I'm glad I'm not doing a funeral for a 25-year-old or an 18-year-old. But a 99-year-old, it was a time of celebration, a life well-lived. And obviously made an impact by the crowd that was there, Uh, And what was shared impacted a lot of people. But what what was the difference in his life? Jesus. Jesus that worked in him and through him. And we could take comfort that because he knew Christ, he is well and whole, pain-free indeed in his presence. That's what the gospel will do because he understood that Jesus died for his sins and was raised that gives us hope of eternal life. The gospel, but its purpose, Paul shared, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel message purpose is to save mankind. We can't save anybody. It is the gospel that has the power, the ability to save. Do you realize that we're just vessels, instruments for God's use to carry that wonderful message that has power, that can change a life forever? That's its purpose. So, when we talk about evangelism, evangelism is the proclamation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the purpose that men might be saved. Saved from what? Their penalty of sin and death and eternal separation from God. I think that is a message worth sharing. But how many of us are like that man on the bank that looked at the sign and says, I better get off here and let someone else just pass on by? I'm afraid that story is too true too many times in this life. We're so excited to share a birth of a child, a promotion at work, but shouldn't we share the best message ever? The message of Jesus. It is worth proclaiming. So then why? Why should we evangelize? Does anybody know Penn and Teller? They're like entertainment. They do comedy and magic. And, and uh, if you didn't know that Pen Gillette is like a hardcore atheist. But we can learn something from an interview from him that he held. And I want to share with you the transcript of what was asked of him about Christianity and evangelism. Notice what he says. I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. In other words, his interpretation of proselytize is sharing the gospel, trying to convert them. I don't respect that at all because if you believe that there's a heaven and to hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward and atheists who think people shouldn't proselytize and who say just leave me alone and keep your religion to yourself how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize How much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? That's come from an atheist. If we truly believe there's a heaven, which there is, and we truly believe that there's a hell, and there is, how could we as Christians who have been impacted by the gospel itself refrain from sharing the gospel? Wouldn't you just out of your humanity stop someone from running into a burning building? Wouldn't you stop somebody from running out into the middle of traffic? Sure. But what about someone's spiritual condition? Shouldn't we be a people who share Jesus. Because if they do not believe, they would be they would end up in hell and eternally separated from God forever. I think that gives a great reason why we should share the gospel. But I want to show you specifically four points. These are not original with me. I believe they came from, and I can't verify because it's been a long time since I found these in my notes. Uh, as I was going through the evangelism, but I think it comes from across cross uh, from Scarborough, is his last name, uh, with Christ after the loss, but I'm not 100% sure. But it, it says that we have an appeal from above. That we have a divine calling, a divine obligation and responsibility when Jesus tells his church before his ascension... Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to notice that the word make disciples, we've looked at this before about making disciples. Well, how do we make disciples? Where does it all begin? With the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. And he says, go. Now, Some want to debate whether this is a command or, you know, as you are going. I'll say, I'll use Pastor Lynn's phrase, yes. Yes. As we're going, we should be making disciples. I don't know. I ran into many of you in Walmart. That's where I do my best visitation. Right in Walmart. Uh, Some of us will go to the restaurant you go share that someone's been there to leave one of our faith in all our pens. I love to see those. Um, we go to places all the time. Do you realize that wherever we go, that we have to opportunities to share the gospel? And it is our divine obligation, responsibility to share Jesus so there's an appeal from above but there's an appeal from beneath jesus shared about the rich man and lazarus lazarus was a poor man full of sores and sick and neglected by society and there was a rich man who just he just who just lived lavishly but did not know the lord And this rich man died, and he found his place, and he was in hell. And if you read the context, Jesus used two words for torment in that context. And if you really study those two words out, this man was suffering not just physically. He was suffering emotionally, mentally. Every aspect of suffering you can imagine he was facing. And so much so, he just wanted this pain to be quenched, some sense of relief. And as he asked father Abraham there's a great gulf fixed in the paradise and Abraham he looked over and father Abraham was there and he said look for I have five brothers send somebody so that they may not they may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment Oh if the countless people who died without Christ could talk today from hell what would they tell us Share Jesus Oh, the life full of regret. They would tell us, tell my family, tell my friends to trust Jesus. So we have this appeal from beneath. There's an appeal from within. I love the Apostle Paul's writings. For Christ's love compels us. King James says constrains us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. I don't know about you, but when I reflect on what Jesus Christ did for me, you guys know my favorite verse is Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why that's so impactful to me? Because you know, at seventeen, at seventeen years old, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Prior to that, I just thought I was a pretty good kid and going to make it there just on my good looks and behavior. I mean, I, I wasn't a bad kid. I I mean, I didn't I didn't steal. I didn't murder. You know, I I'm, I I may have told a lie or two. You know, but I mean, overall, I mean, I wasn't a bad kid. I mean. My girlfriend's parents liked me. That was something. That was something. But good works doesn't get us into heaven. And when you really begin to look at the Bible and I really begin to see myself, that, man, I am am, not good. I have sin in my life. And we said so much in our human relationships, we kind of feel like, you know, the only way someone's going to love me is if I do the right things right? Uh, we, We think that love is conditional, but God loves us unconditionally. You know, it's just like I have a son that's a prodigal. He's not talking to me right now, and I'm heartbroken over it. But I love him the same nonetheless. He's my son. And I would give my life in exchange for his. I love him that much. And if in my human capacity is willing to do that for my child, just think then that God sent his only son to die for us because he loved us and he wants a relationship with us. And when you think about that, doesn't that move you inside that you want others? Aren't you compelled, constrained by such a love to share it with somebody else? So there's an appeal from within. And then there's a appeal from without. Is our world not a mess? I mean, look at it. It shouldn't take you too long. Now, Paul described their world to Timothy this way. But understand this that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. You think? For people will be lovers of self. Do you see that today? Lovers of money. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having appearance of godliness but denying its power. This is what What the last days were, and and, and then Paul tells them, look, avoid such people. Not avoid them in such a sense, not tell them the gospel, but don't do what they do. Don't get sucked up in their life. But if we live in such a world like this, the world desperately needs Jesus. Because he can change that in an individual's life. So we have all these appeals from above, from beneath, from within, and from without. I hope you see that we should be a people sharing the gospel to the world. You might say, well, how? How do I evangelize? How do I share the gospel? Sometimes we we simply put, well, as a church, we'll just have an event, fall festival, um, vacation Bible school, and all those are wonderful, by the way, really, they really are. There was a time in a previous pastor where door knocking was popular. You guys remember door knocking? I lived in a town of just a little bit less than 5,000. And uh, we said, you know, we're going to get serious about reaching our neighborhood. So we went and knocked on every single door in our our thing. And you know what? We hit one time that town three times over in one year. You know what the people started telling us? Didn't you just come by? We know where you're at. You know, so what that, that told me then is either we're, 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 there's a fine line between not be faithful and sharing the gospel and being annoying. What I'm trying to tell you is that the best way to evangelize is not within a program. It's about building personal relationships with people and telling your story. us what Peter wrote. He said, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. That's where it begins. Regarding Christ holy in our hearts. Being prepared to make a defense or an answer to anyone who asks for you a reason of the hope that is in you. Has anyone ever said you, you're different? I remember when I went to the the military, you can imagine, you know, uh, the nice verbiage that military men use. And they noticed something different for me. I didn't swear like the rest of them. Do you know that caught their attention? I didn't have to, like, they just asked, well, why? And I would just tell them. I said, because Jesus kind of cleaned me up in that area of life. And here's what he did for me yet do it with gentleness and respect. We, we share this in our Exploring Church membership class, and Pastor Aaron has this point, and he shares a scripture where Jesus and his disciples went across the Sea of Galilee into the Decapolis, uh, filled with Gentiles, and there was that, that, that really deranged man that was possessed by demons and uh, you know, living among the tombs, and Jesus heals him, And that that demon wanted to that demon possessed man that now is free, wanted to follow Jesus. But you know what Jesus told him? No, you stay, and go back to your family, and tell them what good things God has done for you. What's your story? How did Jesus change your life? Again, mine was I was seventeen years old. I was I was not raised in church. But I was influenced by family, grandparents who would take me to church from time to time with them. But uh, I was 17 years old. I came to a time I was kind of depressed. Um, I thought I knew what love was, you know, like you know, like 17-year-olds, you know, you know what love is. I broke up with my girlfriend. I was, oh, I was, I was devastated, right? I broke up with her, though, I, I, but I was heartbroken over it. And my best friend said, hey, why don't you come to church with me? There's pretty girls there. You see see where my mind was? Yeah. So I went. That's where I met my wife, Jenny, and uh, I'm thankful for her. But I didn't go there intentionally just to meet Jesus. I kind of thought I already kind of knew him, but I never really heard the gospel. And so I, I, I sat there in that church, and I'd go to Sunday school, I'd go to worship, and I just began to notice there was a difference in that church than what I've experienced anywhere else. And I decided that I'm actually going to listen to the pastor, because before it was like Charlie Brown, right? But I decided to listen. And the things that I began to hear, I haven't heard before. And so a week went by, and another week, and man, the Lord just got a hold of me. Began to work in my heart. I, 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 I was confused, but I knew that I needed something. I just didn't know exactly what it was, and I was being convicted. And I would like, I, I need some clarification. So one Sunday morning... I think our pastor was talking about the inspiration of scriptures at that time. But I just remember I was just in the, the time of invitation. At the end of the service, music was playing. People were responding to the message. I was locked in, and my best friend looked over at me. and goes, you need to go talk to the pastor? I said, I think so. So I go up. I, he, he takes me up to, to the pastor. There was many people. The pastor kind of let me uh, speak to another preacher in church, Pat Jaffel. And, and uh, Pat goes, why are you here? I said, I don't know. But I, 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 he kind of sensed, and I kind of sensed, I didn't know Jesus. I just didn't know how to verbalize what I needed. And he, and we knelt down together, and he took me through the passages of Scripture that we often refer to as the Roman road. Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Me, you, everybody born in this world has sinned. And then he takes me to six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death. Death, that's all that sin could earn. But the perfect gift that God gives us is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But God demonstrated his love towards us. Though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if we had believe in our hearts that Christ died and was raised again, and we call to him to salvation, he would. And at that very moment, in that that, that that the the steps of the, of the stage, the altar area, I gave my life to Christ because I understood what he did for me, and without him, I was lost. I trusted Jesus. That's my story, but your story may have some similar elements, but it's your story. It's different, and you realize that in telling your story that you could reach people that I can't. Our stories connect with people differently. Some people have come out of drug addiction. I've never lived that life. It would probably be kind of difficult. For me, I can share my story. Not that God can't use it. But boy, there could be a connection there. Like, I understand where you are. It, It could be other things. Your story might be different. Tell your story. You don't need to be a theologian. You know how God transformed your life? Just tell somebody. Tell your story to friends, to family. Maybe the old lady that I first met at Kroger when I moved back to Arkansas, that I went there, she told me her whole life story and invited me over for Christmas dinner. People in the South are so friendly. But tell your story. You see, I think when we look at what evangelism what we term evangelism and the proclaiming of the gospel and we see the reasons why we should share and if we could simply tell our story i think paul summarized it so much in romans chapter one with three i am statements i hope this is your heart because it is mine I want you to notice that Paul said, first of all, in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, that I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Paul felt a deep sense of responsibility as a child of God, as an apostle of Christ, that he was indebted to humanity, that to no matter who he came in contact with, whether they were brilliant whether they had no education where they were the wild man the barbarians or the civilized the cultured it didn't matter the responsibility was the same to share Jesus he goes on so I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome there was a readiness an eagerness to if I told you right now Hey, tomorrow, you're coming to Maui with me. How ready would you be? How eager would you be? I think you guys would be very eager. Do we have that same passion about preaching and sharing the gospel? I know it could be a fearful thing talking to people about Jesus. But love casts out fear. And are we waiting and eager, waiting for opportunities? Are we praying for opportunities that God might open doors that we could share the gospel? And then notice, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For I am not ashamed. I know that for pastors, the pastor's family gets told on a, quite a bit in sermon illustrations. But I walked in from the office one day. Adam was probably, I don't know, either in elementary school going into junior high and you know, when you're playing your Xbox, you could talk to a variety of million people. And we told him time and time again, don't talk to strangers on there. But here's Adam, has his headset on, little mount, and he has his Bible open in his lap. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm telling them about Jesus. He's sharing the gospel with these, this Xbox group of People. I have to say that was a proud dad moment for disobedience. (laughs) To share the gospel because he was unashamed. If we could have such boldness, such courage, we don't have anything to be ashamed of. I want you to think about this. Now, Corey would get this. We love football. Right, Corey? And recently, you know, there's been a big thing. We got, got, uh, on one hand, we got the 49ers. Brock Purdy, national stage, stands up and says, well, I just want to give all glory to God and Jesus Christ. You have, I think it's C.J. Stroud with Texas, the Texans who also gave all credit to God and Jesus Christ, even though they didn't make it to the Super Bowl. You have Coach John Harbaugh with Baltimore Ravens, who stood up and gave glory to God. I thought, man, these are national men, state, and they didn't let the, the, the world tone down their message at all. They are who they are because of God. They were unashamed. Can we be Hasn't Jesus changed your life? He's changed mine. So, can't we go and share the gospel boldly and courageously? I'm under obligation. I'm so eager, and I'm not ashamed. I'm going to go out and I'm going to tell my story. Because when I tell my story, it's going to be about Jesus and how he saved me. Are you willing to share yours? Because I can tell you this, a healthy church is a church who tells their story. It's about Jesus, and he transforms lives. Are you willing to share your story? Will you stand with me this morning? Maybe you're here. Well, you are here. Not Maybe you are here. That's just preacher speak, you know. It makes it sound good. But you are here. I look across this room. Many of you have wonderful testimonies how Jesus Christ has changed your life and saved you. I just want to ask you one simple question. Will you go share it? Will you go share it? That means you have to leave beyond these four walls of this building going into a world and yes it's ugly out there but you can be the light in the darkness that Jesus uses uses to change a life. Will you go tell your story? This morning, you've, you've come, and you don't know Jesus. And perhaps something that was said, I don't know how I can make the gospel any more clear. <laughs> but if you need to call on him, come meet with me. You can come right now. I'd love to pray with you. I can't pray for you. In the sense that I can't, I can't. I can't save you. This decision has to be yours and yours alone. And you must call upon Jesus, but I can pray with you. Because there's no greater decision that anyone can make today than trusting Jesus. Will you trust him? Will you call upon him? I pray that you will. So I'm going to close this in prayer, and we're going to have some announcements given after I'm done praying. If you want to come up and pray, feel free to do so. If you want to meet with me in the lobby, I'll make myself available for you to counsel with you, to pray with you. Maybe you just simply want to pray for courage and boldness. I look, I need that too. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that sometimes I'm not fearful. I don't want to be. But I'm I'm human, just like everybody else. We could pray for one another. So let's pray. Our Father, Almighty God, You've expressed Your great love towards us by the giving of Your Son, Jesus Christ, upon a cross to save us sinners. And Father, I pray that each of us in this room, at the sound of my voice, all who hear will take it upon themselves to tell their story. Have you changed their life? That they could share the gospel with family and friends, neighbors, maybe even a stranger at a Walmart. Father, I pray that you'll give us courage and boldness That, Father, you'll fill us with passion and compassion. That, Father, that we would be bold in sharing the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, may us be faithful. We know you are faithful. And you're still working in the hearts and lives of people. And we pray for those that we do share our story with. We pray for their salvation. Father, we pray that all that we do will give you honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.